welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Bam! Abrupt ending there. Um, there's my door, everyone. My soundproofing on the door. Good evening, everyone. My name is C.J. Reynolds, and if you've not been here before, you are on. You're currently engaged with a program called Sunday Night Teacher Talk which happens in the afternoon, uh, but it's nighttime somewhere. So I'm just sitting here and I look at the view counter sometimes and look at how many people watch this like per week and uh, over the course of the week and even live. And I am amazed. Like I remember when we used to have like seven people watching. It was basically Tracy Pinter and six other people. And so I, it just it's just funny to me because I think um, sometimes I currently just look at what's happening right now uh, and I forget where like I've been grown or where I've been. Um, I don't know, like the things that have like kind of where things have started. And I think we could, that, that's a good reminder. We think about our classrooms too, is that like, are you, do you beat yourself up because of how your things are running in your classroom? And do you get this, do you take the time to, to see the growth that has come up? upon your classroom. So uh, I think that this is really evident and this is not a diss, but I think it's really evident if you visit someone's classroom that's completely new to the profession. And even if you've only been doing this for two or three years, you look and go, oh damn, like we really like, it, it's really, it's really changed in a wonderful way. And we've, uh, there's, there's been a shift and I've gotten stronger and I've gotten better. And I think sometimes we just focus on where we lack and not on where we've grown. And I think when we focus on where we've grown and that allows us to create, uh, us to be grateful. And I think that, um, you know, I've read somewhere that like, you can't be anxious and grateful at the same time. It's impossible. So it's, it's, I think that's just a good, good reminder for us, uh, of how to do that and why to do that. But look, the, the whole purpose of this show here, gang, is that we are creating a safe space for educators to explore and express what it, what they think and feel and what's going on in their classrooms. This is a space where we are hopefully uh, working together as a community to help one another be the teachers that we are called to be. So that's what we show up here for every Sunday. And then the idea here is that you can drop your question in the chat. Um, if you put Q or the word question before, it just helps us to identify it quicker and know that the people in the chat are going to speak to you also, right? You're, I'm not going to be the only one. And I mean, I think people just come here for the chat. I think we just provide place for live chat. That's what I think's happening. Um, and that's completely fine with me. This doesn't have to be, the only reason I'm on here as the talking head is to create the space. But um, look, real quick on the front end, we're gonna jump right into questions. Uh, we have a wedding to go to. So a student, if you read my book, Teacher Class Off of It Now, available on Amazon. It's on sale right now on Amazon. Um, there's a kid in there that I talk about, Donovan, who wrote a play and we created a class around it and all this stuff. Donovan got married recently in Hawaii and they're having a big wedding reception for uh, he and his husband today, um, tonight, seven o'clock. So we're going. I'm excited. Is there a little anxiety in this? Yes. Because if anyone knows how Donovan dresses, he's basically, uh, oh my gosh. he's man Beyonce and uh, we and can't compete. We can't. <laughs> Can't. We are not that style. We are just like going. That. We're just going to do our best. That's what we're doing. 
Uh, we'll take a picture. There might be people there with red suit jackets on with no shirt underneath. I don't really know. There could like anything goes. It, oh, it's going to be like a runway. Going to be yes, that's what I think. It's going to be a little bit of a, like a fashion show for for people. Yes, it's like Gucci had a fashion show and rolls, <laughs> and then Old Navy showed up to the wedding. That's what's good. <laughs> no, my easiest thing that I can think of is like, all right, black. Is classic and simple. I yeah. just go all black, but nope. then I then I kind of feel like I look like I'm going to a funeral. But I'm going it's a straight hawk wedding, so I'm straight J Crew. We'll be alright. Suit. That's what I'm doing. We'll anyway, do. let's jump in because we only have 30 minutes today to do this. Okay, so Jacob Ingram is first up. Jacob Jacob Ingram is always first. <laughs> well, he's got a serious question, so oh, he's okay. um and it's a couple parter. So bear with me. Gotcha. He's asking on Friday morning as kids were walking in the building, there was a threat made that ended up being fake at the time though there was a lot of panic tons of kids were running back to their cars in fear since they weren't even in the building yet to lock down when the threat happened i'm sure some kids are traumatized even though there was no real threat what can i do to help these kids moving forward thanks so much so i think one jacob that this is something that has to be a school-wide initiative first, right? So like, I'll talk about the school-wide initiative and I'll talk about like what, what you could do as an individual. Um, the school has to look at this as like, hey, look, if something happens in the future, what are we doing together, right? And not just what are we doing in that moment to keep kids safe? Because that's clearly something that should already be outlined and, and figured out like like you, the same way we have fire drills, like that there should be a, a plan in place of, of anything. Someone gets into school, something goes on outside the school, I, I mean, there, there should just be some sort of protocol in place. But also, what are we doing the day after, week after, the month after to help students? And I don't think enough schools have that ongoing work created. I know that, I mean, we we had, a, I think maybe I talked about this, this was a young man in North Philly the other week that was shot and killed, um, shot 18 times on the street. And he's a 14-year-old male. Um, he did not go to my school, but a number of my guys grew up with him. And there was just no protocol in place as to what, how we were going to help these kids work through this. Now, like the social worker was called in and like the parents were contacted, things of that nature. But it was like our teachers don't have any training um, at all on how to deal with uh, young people that are going through traumatic instances. We've done some training around that in the past, but we have such wild turnover that it's like that's basically worthless to to. 80% of the building right now because they weren't there. So I, I think that schools should be having those conversations about what are teachers doing, right? We can tell teachers to like send them to, to a certain office or, or, or to take them somewhere or, or to contact home or to document or whatever. But what do you do when a kid trusts the teacher more than a counselor? What do you do when a kid shows up and says, Hey, Reynolds, I really need to talk about this. I'm really having a hard time. Um, I, I can't sleep at night. Uh, these are real phone calls that I've gotten from students over time, and I've had to do my own training. So I think the flip side of that is, so we're, we're asking schools to have a protocol in place for if there's an emergency, we're having a protocol in place and a training with teachers about social emotional issues and how they can help students navigate those tricky spaces after events have taken place. But then I think that there's a third part here that is, what are teachers just doing on their own? I think it's really worth your while to look up whether it's, and look, 
sometimes there's time for books, right? Sometimes there's time to read the book, to download the book, to listen to the book and to get through all that stuff. Other times it's how do I get this information fast enough? So I think sometimes, you know, I know I do this. I, I just assume other educators do this as well is you buy that book, you get it on your Kindle, you get it in your, in, so you can listen to it, but then you just never do it because you don't have 18 hours. So instead, find out the person that has the book, find the book that you want to read, find out something that someone would rec would recommend, and then listen to a podcast on it. Listen, go on YouTube. Every single book, damn near every single book I've ever tried to read, there's a breakdown of it. So like, if I don't have time to read whatever, maybe it's social emotional stuff. Maybe it's Think and Grow Rich. Somebody broke down Think and Grow Rich on YouTube. So I could just listen to that and then start implementing that stuff in. So I think it's personal growth also. How are you becoming the person that children will need? And then I think the other piece is grassroots also. It's, yo, teachers, let's like, we're going to have this meeting with the admin. Let's talk about how this is really going to play out. Let's talk about what we can do. Let's talk about who feels strong enough to talk to students about this, who doesn't, and how we can both grow those that don't feel strong enough and also lean on those that do feel strong enough. So maybe you're sending a kid to another class. Maybe you're sending them to talk to a certain teacher or someone in the building, but like, how are we dealing with this also and sharing our hurt? Because here's one of the things that schools almost never, ever talk about. We had one meeting about this in 16 years in my time in education, and that is dealing with secondary trauma. That means that I didn't go through the divorce. I didn't go through the shooting. I didn't go through the dad going to jail. That had nothing to do with me, but children showing up with their hurt, um, especially those, and some of you know, and I'm speaking right to you, um, that are really empathetic. We take all that on. Now we have to learn how to deal with that. And there's a lot there. We're talking about learning how to have boundaries, learning how to fill ourselves in, learning how to say no more to having conversations and being around people that are, are constantly drawing energy from us. And then being like, not making it a nice to have to put energy back into you, right? So family and friends going out, looking at Christmas lights like we did last night, um, you know, getting a massage or going to a float tank or doing like a cryo freeze or any of the other weird crap that I do. Those seem like nice to have, like, oh, it must be nice. No, it's imperative that you are doing things that, that you are systematically, you're setting up a system in your life where you're automating things in your life that you're putting on your calendar, things that are going to fill you up so that you can give what you're asked to give at school. And if there's an imbalance of energy there, you need to even that stuff out because you want your, your putting, what you're putting into you has to outweigh, not meet the needs in which that you are, are, are giving stuff out, right? You don't want to like be dead every single time that you give something down. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, the, like we don't fill our cars up when they're on E and the little light comes on. Like if you do that every time, it's not good. At some point you're going to break down the side of the highway and look like a lunatic. So I think that that's, that's where I would go with that situation. All right. Our next question comes from uh, John Lopez. And he's asking what three ways would you like for teachers to protect their peace? I would first like to protect my peace by sometimes I just look at myself in this camera and it looks like I'm bald. But it's just that my hair is so white. It just looks like I have like bald spots and stuff. But I'm like, this is um, three ways teachers to protect their peace. I think one is, John, I'm, I'm learning, especially as I get older, maybe younger people don't need this as much. When I was younger, Lopez, I could sleep four hours a night 
for real, four and a half hours a night and I could rock and roll the next day like nobody's. I, I don't think I slept for most of my 20s. I you think didn't. it drove me nuts because I've always liked eight hours yes. and you would get up at like 4 a.m., 3 a.m., yeah. 2 a.m. You got rid of your clock. You did all kinds of weird stuff. I just like, I, you know, I still don't look at a clock before I go to bed. I still oh, don't I count how many hours of sleep I get. Okay. That is really funny that that has <laughs> carried on. I just thought of that last night. So, but now I'm realizing I need about seven to seven and a half hours of sleep. Eight, eight's pushing it. Last, I mean, today I slept late, but I also went to bed late. So for me, that is, I make my, my nighttime routine has to be tight lately. Otherwise I don't sleep well. And when I don't sleep well, the world suffers the wrath of Reynolds. And so there's, there's a book slash Kung Fu movie, the wrath of Reynolds. Um, the world suffers the wrath of Reynolds. So I, for me, I think uh, I would implore people to get enough sleep and to get quality sleep. So for me, real quick, what that can look like is I now take magnesium pills, right? That's what I'm taking, those giant yes, horse pills. I take magnesium pills, go into a float tank has been really great. Uh, even getting going, getting a bath with uh, like Epsom salt, right? It has tons of magnesium in it and, and, and that helps you sleep. Um, it is limiting how much I drink at night. I don't drink anything or eat anything, not even water. I try not to drink after 7 p.m. because I also just don't want to pee in the middle of the night. I sleep with earplugs in. I meditate before I go to bed. Like I get in bed. I put in my AirPods. I meditate for five minutes, sometimes 10 if I need it. Um, I keep my phone next to my bed. So if I wake up in the middle of the night, I go to Headspace and I listen to one of their nighttime stories. They just have people that read stories. that sound all relaxing. Chris Carson could do that. He really could. He has such a soothing voice. He does. That's <laughs> ASMR stuff right there. Uh, I would. Um, so it's things like that. Like there's other stuff that I do, but that's one. I think putting you on your calendar is the other one. It's like, don't just say, yo, this week we should go get together. It's like put it on the calendar. So you're putting in things that are loving yourself on the calendar. So maybe that's looking at Christmas lights with your kids. Maybe that's driving around and going Christmas shopping. Maybe that's, uh, getting drinks with your spouse, um, things like that, I think are really important too. Um, and then it's, I think Lopez, it really comes down to listening to your intuition. Um, that when you feel tired, like almost every time I've ever gotten sick, I felt, I knew it was coming. I knew I should have rested. I knew I should have stopped. I knew I should have got some extra rest, taken a nap, uh, going to bed earlier or something like that. And then that would have offset either the sickness or the, the severity of the sickness. It's really just taking care of yourself by listening to your, to your intuition. Um, yeah, I think those, those are my top three. I'm surprised you did not say, say no more. I feel like you're always saying people. I would, but I think I would say, argue that that is wrapped into the intuition piece. So it's mm -hmm. like saying no is we tend to say yes to everything and that's that's on my list. So like I just did this list, Lopez, where I made a six page list um, <laughs> of the, of all the things I feel like are draining my energy lately. Some of those are quick fixes. Some of them are longer fixes, but like even identifying those things. And then I have action items under every single one of them as to how I'm going to work out getting rid of these things that are drawing, that are pulling my energy that aren't like in a good way. Um so that I can reduce the draw of my energy so I can put more into myself. All right, our next question comes from Laura. Uh, she says, hi Reynolds, my K to three school has just been made more aware from our principal of our low school morale. 
and of staff ignoring and being unkind towards other staff members. This is more than a surprise cup of coffee. We'll hear any words of wisdom, not expecting a quick fix. So I think, uh, <laughs> it's so she knows you. She knows that that's what you're going to recommend. My so let it. me tell you this: our school has the lowest morale I've ever seen in my life. Um, it just feels negative walking in there, and nothing large has been done to change. And all the things that have done to been to change it are like that. That it's like here's some donuts in the morning. Here's a cup of coffee every once in a while, uh, but not anything that's like. It's it's all very, it just feels it feels uh. I want to say teachery, but it's more than that. It's like, it's like it's pacifying. It's regular and not enough. I find that teachers have to. We are in charge of. Look here. Here's I'm gonna I'm gonna put it this way. Jocko Willink has this idea of extreme ownership, where you take on that everything that is happening in your life, everything you don't like is on you. You're the only one that can do anything about it. Because once we're waiting for someone else to fix something, once we're waiting for someone else to do something, then we give them the control. We get them the power. I'm not making enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. I'm really tired all the time. Um, we're broke. We, uh, I don't have enough time to do my lesson plans. I don't have enough time for my kids, for my spouse. We never go on dates. Um, we like, whatever it is, like my car's dirty. My house is always a mess. Once I say school sucks because my ad administration is the worst, um, I like my house is always a mess because my kids are are slobs or my husband, you know, the, the toilet's broken because my husband never fixes it. And I'm not saying that's a real thing that's going on in our house right now that has a broken toilet. But I will <laughs> say that you can't put warm water into the back of a cold tank because it will crack it anyway. Um, but when I but I think about that sometimes, Laura, I think if I just put all this on me right? I don't beat myself up about it, but I just go, I can solve all these things because it's really my decision, right? It's really my decision of whether or not school sucks. I don't know if it really sucks as bad as I think it does, but I've decided that it sucks. Like my school sucks this year. It's really, really hard to be there. So, and I know I don't have enough time for everything. I just decided to start changing things around. So like, I never walk around my school without two things in my pockets. One is Google eyes. Um, I have googly eyes in my pocket and I put them on everything all the time. They don't destroy anything. They don't mess up things long-term, but it's really funny to walk around and put freaking googly eyes on things. It just cracks me up. The other thing is my friend, Laura Green. Uh, I didn't even tell you about this yet, Green, because I was going to, um, I was going to, I've been taking pictures. And I'm going to send them all to you at once. Sent me hundreds of meme stickers. And so I go around and I put them on students' computers all the time. They're absurd memes. It's like a dog that looks like a loaf of bread. It's a it's Guy Fieri or whatever the hell that guy's name is, the chef with the blonde spiky hair carrying holding a giant, like four-foot hot dog. Um, so I either put them on kids, uh put them on their stuff that they leave in my room or I've been walking over and while kids are working on a computer, I just put my arm behind them and I go, Hey, what are you working on? And I put my hand in front of their, their monitor and I just put the sticker right on there and they don't even know it. Um, it's just cracks me up. So it's just doing things that I think are funny to just crack me up. Um, we had a game in class this week where uh, 
we're reading Merchant of Venice. So there's three different boxes on my table at any given time because the kids have to pick different boxes each day. And it's a thing that goes along with the book if you never read Merchant of Venice. Anyway, <clears throat> someone has their phone out. The end of class. So I take your phone. The end of class, I put it in one of those boxes. And then also, so if it's in the gold box, the lead box might have a note that says it's going to your phone will get handed over to security. Or the other box says you will can get it at the end of the day or get it at lunch from Reynolds. So if you pick the right box with your phone in it, you just get it back. If you pick the wrong one, you got to get it from the end of the day at, from the security office and they're going to call your parents. Um, or the other one, you just come get it from you at lunch. So it's been like, that's really amusing. Then we made a game show out of it. We play game show music. I have a kid, RJ, that stands there with my megaphone and announces it. Um, it's He calls it RJ's cell phone challenge or something like that. And we make like a whole thing out of it. But it's stuff like that. I think those are the shifts that massively change morale in the school. And then it's, what are you doing for other teachers too? What are you doing that's loving, kind, silly, funny um, for other teachers? And I try my best not to keep engaging in conversation about how much the school sucks. I just, it, it doesn't fix anything. So it's fun for a while and it feels good to get it off your chest and to commiserate with others, but that can't be my whole conversation. So I would suggest hanging out with other people if that's all that's being talked about all the time. I have one of your hairs on me as usual. I think what I've noticed is it comes down to is you, you can't do anything about anybody else. You can put up boundaries and say, I'm not going to have those conversations anymore because they're not productive and things like that. But you can't, you can't change people's attitudes. You can't convince them to yeah. be happy or joyful. You can infect other people by being that way yourself. The only power you have is really choosing your own behavior in that scenario. And hopefully it, reverberates out and if admins helping with little donuts and stuff on top of that, I think great, but like, yeah, yeah, it's really the only thing you can do is change you. Yes. I think you're right. In that. Good answer wife. Thanks. Um, okay. Our next question is coming from Michael and it's uh, multiple parts. So bear Got with it. me. Uh, question. I'm in a one-to-one -one school and I'm trying to find the balance with the Chromebooks. On the one hand, I have kids who declare how dumb it is that they come uh, to school to do their work like they are still at home but these same kids are the ones playing games when I'm teaching um, do I give up on direct instruction and plug everything into the computers for asynchronous stuff or do I make them shut the Chromebook during instruction and only allow them to use it for work submission that was really long yeah no that was fine uh, Michael that you answered your own question um, none of my students are allowed to have uh, computers open while I'm talking and I tell them you can't multitask. It is, a, it's scientifically proven that even people that think they can multitask because some of you right now are going, I can multitask. And I, the science shows that because my wife says this, um, I'm multitasking right now. <laughs> yes, it is. You, you can do more than one thing at a time, but you can't do both things. Well, when you start, when you're, when you do one thing at a time, you can put a hundred percent of your effort and attention into it. Once you start doing something else, now you're putting like 70% into the main thing and 30% into the other thing. So you are like, it just, it, it's a proven fact. So, so he even says in another comment down, he says, my gut says they don't have neither the self-control to listen with yeah. the device in reach nor the self direction to learn at their own pace. Yeah. So you, you tell them like, um, I think we're doing self in, like we're doing direct instruction or we're doing an activity together or we're doing something together. Okay. Now open your, your Chromebook and this is the assignment and 
this is how much time you have to finish it. So kids that are on there that are watching YouTube, that are playing a game, that are doing something else. Now that the time is the game, it's game on. And I've started putting counters up on my board. I don't do this for every class. I don't do it for every activity, but I just go on YouTube, type in five minute timer. Um, and there's ones I use ones with like calming music. We use it with holiday music. We use it with like jellyfish in the background and different things like snow is falling. That actually has had a huge effect on the mood of our room. So it's like the music is on, the timer is on, but it's not like a rush timer. It's like a, Hey man, you have five minutes to do this. Uh, but then I walk around and look at people's screens and like redirecting kids. Um, and then I'm just noting if kids are doing the work or not, and then that's it. But your, your, your computer is never allowed to be open while I'm talking. Um, and if it is, then I just close it. I just close kids' computers all the time or I take them and I move them. I put it on the desk next to you or just let it be there for a second. Cause I see that you're distracted. I'm trying to help you out. Right. Here's the thing that, that when we do that, when we, if so, if I do that, right, if I close someone's computer or if I take it, it's never because you were doing something bad. I'm not trying to catch you. I'm not closing your stuff and take, that's it. Now you don't get to have this anymore because you weren't paying attention. It is, you're, you're having a hard time finding success. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you by removing this distraction. And I'm just putting it right here, right? I'm just, I'm just moving it out of the way. So you can hear what I'm saying so that when we go into the, to the work that you have to do on your own, now you can, now you, you have a clear sense of what we're shooting for and why and you're not asking questions for the next 10 minutes because you weren't paying attention. So, yo, I'm going to close this for you because you're having a hard time with it. I'm going to put it right over here. And that I find that I don't get as much pushback because kids see that I'm not doing it out of meanness or out of me trying to be some kind of dictator. I'm just trying to like help them to find success in the classroom. Our next question comes from Ms. Gonzalez. Uh, how many boxes of cereal and milk do you recommend for a cereal party? Oh, uh, about 25 kids. That's a great question. Um, it really depends on your grade level that you're doing it with and how <laughs> much cereal you want everyone to have. So I will say the other day, we I had five, I think it was five kids out of a class of 28 come to school because everyone was quarantining. So I bought like one of those, I went to BJ's and I have like, oh, we got to get a new one on when we do the BJ's order. Mm -hmm. Side note little glimpse in the rounds life there. Um, those big giant boxes of cereal that have the little boxes in it. And I just gave everybody one. Everyone got one. I went to the cafeteria and the, cause they only had five kids. They gave me five little cartons of milk, gave everyone a spoon and a, and a uh, bowl. And that was it. It was just like a nice little snack. Um, I'd say two of those is probably a regular bowl of cereal. Um, but I, I would say, eight boxes of cereal i feel like that's if you're going to go like big bowls and you have big boys like i do um and then the important thing is to remember one peanut allergies so looking for stuff that doesn't have peanuts in it uh if that's a thing in your school um and making sure that you get i get whole milk and then i buy some sort of milk substitute whether it's almond milk whether it's silk what something like that because some kids are going to be lactose intolerant um and some kids aren't even going to drink milk. Some kids just like dry cereal because they're weird, like my daughter. And I don't understand it, but it's strange and just makes my mouth dry thinking about it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then I find that uh, you can get spoons and bowls at the dollar store. If you have a party city near you, though, oh, not a party city. 
Is it? Um, restaurants. Uh, oh, restaurant joints. supply joints. Like um, the they have cooler stuff, and they have you can get way more for way less. So, and you can just buy spoons. You go to the dollar store, they make you buy spoons, forks, and knives, and then you have forks and knives in your room forever that you're never going to use for anything. Um, yeah. So, just getting spoons, and then you can get fun colors, and you can get like tablecloths, and I don't know, you can like dial it up and make it super Thank fun. You, and crap like that. Um, our next question is coming from Jess Small. I'll be COVID tested daily this week. If I get a positive, I go home. This is the last week before Christmas. Should I have children's gifts um, handed out by a sub or wait till I'm there? Oh, that's a good question. I would. Gosh, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I wonder if you could do. I don't know. I I feel like it's so fun to have it handed from you personally. Yeah. Like, but then they're also kids, so they're going to be sad. Like, yeah. you can just have them there with a sub. I don't know. I think either way that you decide is fine. If you want to be the one to hand them out, like, do it that way. But if you don't mind, and you, you get the wanna... you get the feeling of giving the gift to the kid, and they get all excited about it and stuff. Like, oh, no. that's my excited kid face. <laughs> um, I, I would it depends on which one you want. Yeah, like, I would have it there, and then if it's if if at last minute you need to do it that way, then have then I would have someone else hand them out. But like, um, yeah. if you can, I try I try and do it myself. I feel like that that's part of the joy of giving people stuff is being able to see their Absolutely. response. Um, right, we're gonna take one more question. Okay, one more because uh, again, if you came in late, we have, oh sorry, oh goodness gracious, <laughs> we have a uh, a wedding to go to for an old student of mine who's from my first class that I ever taught, Donovan. Uh, got well he got married in hawaii and they're having the reception this evening and um so we got to go get ready for that so this is only 30 minutes today uh we'll be back regular time full till next week but go ahead all right stephen burns is asking what strategies would you recommend for bridging the gap between fractured members of a department like ap teachers don't buy with cp teachers yeah uh well, i wonder why is it because the cp teachers are mad that they get all the bad kids um guess what, I mean? what cp is college prep it's like oh. regular regular ed classes as opposed to like advanced right. placement um but advanced placement is usually like all the really good kids and those teachers always seem less stressed even though they have to teach way harder stuff and like the grading's more involved a lot of times but it's like 12 kids in a classroom not 32 kids in the classroom so anyway um look i i think that it's ap teachers should buy gifts for the cp teachers yeah. <laughs> coffee snacks i I think it's i think hanging out solves things i think shared time together shared joy translates over everything else right we all have hearts right it's on a human level like even you know bigger topics i think when we can talk them out together you realize like we're all people we all have families and issues and whatever it humanizes us and so i think any ways you can humanize and connect builds relationships and realizing that look sometimes some people just suck right some people are just not fun to hang out with they're not funny that you you try and you're just like oh my gosh you are just like 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 we know people that are just like oh they're just a drag all the time so i just limit my my interactions with them i you know i I limit my exposure to, to people that suck and so but oh by and large it's like getting together and just hanging out Um, and then asking, uh, so here's one of the things that I do is I 
try and find things that folks have in common and I put them together to talk about that. So, hey, you both have kids. Hey, you both love dogs. Hey, you both love um, baseball or LARPing. Um, then, you know, LARP it up, man. Go LARP together and have that conversation. So it, it is, for those of you that don't know, that's live action role play. I don't know why that popped into my head again, but it does on a regular basis. So um, even though I have no experience with that, and even if I did, I wouldn't tell anyone. But um, <laughs> I think that like those sort of like, once we see what we have in common, it just changes things. And then that, and then I think really nothing joins people like shared joy and shared pain. If we go through something together, it makes us stronger. Um, and if we enjoy things together outside of school, we go to a bar, we go to uh, play video games. We have this great bar in Philly called Barcade, which uh, is it mixes the beauty of going to the bar and playing old school video games at the same time. Um, cause you know, when you can, when you're growing up and you can afford the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game with four people and drink beer at the same time, it's magical. Anyway, um, those kind of things just make school more fun. They make us get along. And then when we have to talk about curriculum or kids or whatever else, it's, you're talking to a different person. You're talking to someone that you know, now that you've laughed with, that you've gone out with, that you've done something crazy with, and that stuff always just helps. And so that's why I think like holiday school holiday parties are so important is that it's not just about the school spending money on people. It just builds camaraderie. It builds us a, a social bonds with folks and, and makes it so much more fun to go back to school. And, and now you have something else to talk about. You have, so, yo, remember that time we did this or this thing got so crazy. Remember how so-and-so got a little out of control at the uh, Christmas party and went streaking in the quad afterwards. Um, whatever it is, but uh, yeah, that's where I'm kind of going for on that one. Um, we good. Yeah, All right. I look, do. I apologize. I know there's a lot more questions and if it wasn't Donovan, I wouldn't even shut this down. But in my book, I write a whole chapter about Donovan and the play that we put on for him. I've been there for his high school graduation, been there for his college graduation. I've been there. He's traveled around the country with me to go to different things. Um, we are just linked that way. And I'm really honored to be able to do it. And plus it, this is a fancy wedding. Like, we gotta try and step yes, up. We like are not fancy people. No, this is like you're going to Donovan and I mean everything matches. Even he matches with his dog all the time. So I gotta go get some stuff real quick that are gonna match because <laughs> I'm sitting here in pajama pants still in the hat on my head because I wouldn't do my hair. Um, so that's it, gang. We'll be back next Sunday at uh 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Look, look, real quick. It is the holiday break coming up. Do not go into it dead. Take it easy on yourself this week. Limit the amount of grading, the amount of extra stuff that you have to do so that you can give back to yourself and go into break, not needing it just so badly as you might be already needing it, right? You're trying to minimize that because sometimes we ask too much from our breaks and then they don't fulfill us. And then we go back to school and it sucks even more. Um, with that, January 22nd, I'm doing a live training workshop for free with HMH. Um, you can, uh, here it is, the Prioritize the You and Us uh, program, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. It's going to be like a 45-minute talk from me, and then there's going to be time to have conversation about this, to ask questions about this and stuff like that. But it's really trying to help educators not just survive the rest of the school year, but thrive through the rest of the school year. So um, more information like that about that, I can put the link in the, uh, it, I'll, I'll I'll, you can find it on Instagram. Yeah, it's all over the place, but I'll pin it in this video too um, in a little bit when I come back from buying stuff for Donovan's wedding. 
Um, that's it, gang. Hope you have a great week. I'm not ready. I was I was ready, and then Bye, I wasn't everyone. ready. Thank you. Peace.